Hi, this is Dion Baig from Butler Mortgage. We're currently ranked the number one mortgage brokerage in Ontario and number two in Canada. And much of our success is due to the fact that we help clients acquire multiple investment properties. If you'd like to talk with a mortgage advisor who specializes in investment property, you can reach me at 888-684-8326. To learn more about what's going on in the world of investment property financing, check out episode 23 of the Breakthrough Podcast, where I discuss the topic with Robin Sandy. Are you someone who has no idea that they can be heard? Has brilliant ideas and wants to get them out there? Has a podcast but can't keep up with the work or just wants to focus on things that matter? Then Podcast Engineers is your gateway to get your voice heard. They don't just edit your podcast. They enhance your listeners' experience. You simply do what you do best. That is to record and they do the rest. You can find them at podcastengineers.com. Rob and I have been using Podcast Engineers to help make our show sound great. Send them an email to get an episode edited free and a discounted plan. Breakthrough Real Estate Investing Podcast, Episode 76. today with Ryan Carr, who was our guest on episode 29. Believe it or not, that was over three years ago now. So we're here with Ryan. He's going to give us a quick tip. And Ryan, what have you been doing for the last three years? Oh my gosh. Thanks for having me on. Three years has flown by, man. This is this is crazy. Um, what have we been up to? A lot of construction, a lot of flips, a lot of rental property conversions. Uh, we're branching into new construction as well. So some severances, um, some new build vertical splits. Uh, we're doing a tiny house. Like we've got, we got all kinds of really unique projects that have popped up and it's been a blast to take on. You know what? I saw a little article. I can't remember uh, who wrote it. might've been Irwin, but uh, on the tiny house. And uh, so <laughs> how big is the tiny house? The tiny house is 253 square feet. Now, how do you fit an entire house in 253 <laughs> square feet? Dude, it's it's a it's well laid out, it's well mapped out. Um, but I mean, it's essentially bachelor living. So um, what we get with that is we've got a it's like a galley kitchen on the one side with with the appliances on the opposite. Um, we've got a bathroom at the one end of the house and a bedroom on the other. So it's all four walls are doing something, and then we try to fit in clever storage spaces and TV niches and stuff like that to make sure that we use every square inch because. In 253 square feet, it, it really matters. Yeah, I can imagine it does. I'd like to see the finished product at some point anyway. Yeah, absolutely. We'll, uh, we'll have to do a tour. It'll be so, fun. Ryan, you've got a quick tip for everybody today. I do. I do. So this week's quick tip is all about unlocking the hidden potential in everyday properties. Like, dude, there's so much opportunity out there when you look at a deal from some creative perspectives. Over the last five years, I've, I've really built my business um, around this to push up bottom lines while covering off the downside risk. And like, we're in tumultuous times economically and a really competitive market, which makes finding deals like quote unquote challenging. And, and like I say, there's a whack of opportunity out there for, uh, for people who know where to look. Okay. So what I, what I want to do is I want to do a simple example here that everybody can try at home. Um, something I'd like the listeners to start with is just by reading through their daily MLS emails from the realtor on all of the properties for sale, right? Just 
don't skim through the price, but really read through the data sheets. Um, I want you to pick a property at random in the city you like best. Look for a geographic location that is comfortable for you. But I also want you to look at lot frontage, lot depth, zoning, age of the home, you know, things like this. And just forget the price for a minute because this is just an exercise. But I want you to take a look at that and think, you know, from an exterior perspective, what can I do with this property to add value, right? Can it be severed? What about an addition? What is the zoning? Um, how about, you know, moving the house or jacking it up? Is the area fit for a second suite in the form of a traditional basement apartment? Or, you know, do we need to get a little bit clever and go with uh, a coach house or vertical split? You know, you can even consider something as far as BTB financing. So um, that's what I want them to do for step one. Then we're going to take that to street view, look up the address and chart the overall characteristics of the neighborhood, right? Are these bungalows? Are they wartime Cape Cods? Are they corner lots? Um, do they have ravine access or any unique elevations? Even what are the developers doing in the area? Because all of this really plays a role in what kind of opportunity um, is, is there with these properties. Okay. Uh, the third step is I want them to, to finish off by doing an aerial view on the property as well. So go to Google Maps. Um, I want to see, or I want them to see how the parcel visually looks from the top. And let's find out who has pools, who has sheds, our, our detached garage is common and stuff like this. So at the end of it, what we've built here is a full exterior profile for free and something to benchmark the area against. And this is a lot of what I teach other investors to get into. Um, and ideally at this point, something should stand out as a uniqueness. You know what I mean? If all the homes are two story, for example, you know, and you're looking at the only bungalow around, maybe a top up renovation to add another level is something to explore, right? Or, or, you know, maybe you're looking at a property that has zero curb appeal and all of the neighbors have homes that resemble a golf course. Like, boom, bring in some stone, dial up the landscaping, add some planter boxes, some new asphalt. Like there, there's lots of opportunity there that people can capitalize on. So take that profile, put together a rough list that uh, you think can be done, book a showing and, and go and check it out. You know what, Ryan, I think this is a really good exercise for people to get their minds working and trying to understand the possibilities that are possibly locked up in these different kinds of properties. Because like, unless they get their mind working and exploring these options, obviously, they're not going to really have everything the first time they go through the exercise. The point of the exercise is to help them start developing that skill in their minds. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, there, there's a lot of steps to it. That's just a real quick overview on something that, that somebody can do. Because if you're an investor or even a, even a homeowner, you know, maybe not an investor, there's a good chance that you're getting emails from a realtor on, on different properties that are coming up for sale or coming available. And you can practice all of these steps just to get comfortable with the process. All right, Ryan. Well, thanks very much for the quick tip today. Now, if someone wanted to get in touch with you, how would they do that? Yeah, hit us up on the RW Car Investment Facebook page. That's where you're going to see um, an Eventbrite link to sign up for what we got going on. We're going to be doing a two-part seminar in December and January to get investors and realtors rolling on ideas like this and uh, really help purchase properties with some hidden opportunities. Great, Ryan. Thanks for being here today. All right. Thank you. It's great catching up. Likewise. Hello and welcome to the Breakthrough Real Estate Investing Podcast. We put this show together to inspire you and help you break through to the life that you want to live through the power of real estate investing. My name is Rob Brake. Here with me again is Sandy McKay. How are you doing today, Rob? Good, Sandy. Good. 
you know what? I was listening back to an episode. Somebody asked me some wholesaling stuff and I thought I would just go back and listen to my podcast on wholesaling. And the intro that I did on that was significantly different than the way that I do it now. So yeah. we're really coming into our own again. <laughs> yeah, it uh, takes a bit of practice. That would have been number what, seven or eight or nah, it's like 20 something. Oh, OK. A few uh, years back now, though. Yeah, it was a while ago. You know, we're uh, on to, we're getting we're almost going to hit the five year mark pretty soon. In January, I think. I think in January. I think it's like we're going to have to do something special. We should do that. And you know what, though? I don't know. I think our 100 episode mark will be something a little more significant. But though five years and staying at it is quite good, actually. Some people can pound at 100 episodes if they, you know, stick to it and, and aren't doing anything else, maybe, in significantly less time. But five years is quite a while for us to be doing this. For sure. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to recommend everyone to jump over to our website, breakthroughraipodcast.ca. Pick up our free report there, The Ultimate Strategy for Building Wealth Through Real Estate. You can just throw your email and your name in there, and you'll be able to get that for free. And you also get on our uh, list, which will give you all of our, our updates on the episodes as they come out. You'll get a quick email just to remind you that they're out. And uh, and a few other things to keep tabs on what Rob and I are up to. So get that now again. It's Breakthrough RA Podcast. Yeah, you don't want to talk about how things are? <laughs> how are things? I don't know. I think they're great. We're busy wrapping up the summer. And uh, I think the market's heating up a little bit where we are. Oh, where really? Where you are too or no? <laughs> it's tough to tell, you know. It seems to be property specific, really. Like some stuff is just sitting there forever. You don't know why. And other stuff is flying off the shelf. So I don't know. It's just definitely a strange time anyway. You've got some projects on the go, though, don't you? Just finished up. up Actually, you know what's what, one thing we're doing that's kind of fun is we're starting, uh, we're going to test out our first Airbnb unit. We've never went through Airbnb before, so some of our clients have, and, and we know a lot of people around here in, in Hamilton that are, are doing it at a pretty high level. So we have uh, a unit in our office right connected to our property management office, so it's really simple to manage it. And uh, we're going to test it out, see how it works, uh, furnish it, and it's a... Uh, so one bed, we'd probably be renting it for $1,300, $1,350 probably a month if we were going that route. And we're going to test it out probably around 80 bucks a night maybe, something like that on Airbnb. Hmm. Well, it sounds affordable anyways. See how it goes. Yeah, I don't know. A lot of people in Hampton are doing it. So There's not much. You, get, you can't probably find accommodations for, for anywhere near $80 a month, I would imagine, at a hotel. No. No, you can't. So maybe, maybe we'll end up charging more. Maybe we'll do closer to a hundred. But I'm not still, sure, if you I'm can sure. keep we'll it, test it out, see how it goes. Yeah, if you can keep it tenanted, though, it'll probably make some good money even at eighty bucks a night. I think we'll do well on the weekends and then be a little sparse throughout the weeks. But uh, either way, you know, if uh, even at a hundred bucks, if you got half the month, then we're we're making more than we would on a monthly basis. So. We've got to do about 10 to 15 days of the month and we'll be where we should be and everything else is probably gravy. And it's for us, it's easy to manage because it's right here in our office and, uh, mm-hmm. and that. So it's, it should be pretty, pretty easy. So that's something kind of exciting for us. It is. Very cool. I guess we want to remind everybody as well to go over to iTunes and rate and review the show. We have gotten quite a few new reviews here since last time I read them. And I do appreciate them all. I'm just going to read a couple 
You want to hear a few new ones, Sandy? Yep, let's do it. So uh, the first one is from Danny12362, and he says, amazing, five stars. You guys rock. And then he's got two little, like, uh, you know, the cool guy emojis with the sunglasses on. Just got to make sure I point that out. Uh, Amazing podcast. Love the content. Very informative. It's full of tips, resources, contacts that we, the listeners, can use in our future real estate endeavors. That's the first one. Thank you for that, Danny. And the next one is from MW at, you know, that's their email address, but uh, MW, I guess. It says, great REI podcast and contents. Another five stars. We have recently listened to your podcast, and I must say, what I have been listening to so far has been high-quality information from yourselves and your guests. I've also read the previews for the other episodes and look forward to listening to them. Thank you. And the last one I'll read is from Ryan out west. And he says, Ontario-based, but still gives it five stars. Motivational, but episodes are too short. We put it out an hour-long podcast. Okay. Oh, yeah. Maybe he's got a long drive. But he says, episodes are too short and doesn't offer enough time to really delve into strategies. Uh, You know what? You can offer free three-day seminars, which a lot of people do, and they're still not giving away all of their you know, strategies. And it takes a long time to really delve into things. It's hard to cover everything about a certain topic. And even if our shows were two hours, but, uh, well, I mean, that goes without saying, uh, there's books and books and books on this stuff, right, Sandy? (laughs) True. But it says that the show doesn't offer enough time to really delve into the strategies and break things down. Episodes are very positive reinforcement and, So are most of the reviews. Allow me to shine a little negative feedback. There is far too much focus on the hot Southern Ontario market, which makes it seem easy to find cash flowing rental properties. Completely out of the norm when investing in Canadian real estate. Simplicity in finding huge cash flowing deals in real estate isn't obtainable in the rest of Canada outside of the real estate bubble that is Toronto and the surrounding area. In Western Canada, you would be lucky to break even, and more emphasis needs to be placed on homes that are not immediately gushing with cash flow. There's a lot of positive motivation episodes, but I'd like to hear some negative or at least some realistic strategies outside of the hotbed markets. Hmm. Well, there's a lot to take away from that. I would say, though, that I believe that you can find cash flowing uh, deals. And if you can't in your area, well, then don't invest in your area. That's my advice. Or if that's, you, <laughs> I'm thinking, everyone should just invest here. Then what's the big deal? Yeah, like I mean, but I don't I, think it's. I don't think it's necessarily. It's not easy to find properties like that here, is it? Well, no, it's not easy. It takes a lot of work, and we're not necessarily gushing with cash flow, but we want to make sure that we're cash flow positive for sure, and that is realistic, I think. To be I mean, to, apart from like, I mean, if we're talking Toronto, like Toronto, Toronto is not <laughs> gushing at all with those properties. It's insanely difficult to find cash flowing properties. I would imagine Vancouver is the exact same. We don't know a whole lot about it, but we've had a couple episodes on it. It's definitely not easy there. It's not easy in the mid-level markets like Hamilton or, or um, Ottawa and places like that, but it's definitely doable. But you know and, what? I know some people that are doing Airbnbs in Mississauga and... 
you know, that's the, the strategy that people turn to if they want to make cash flow in those markets. Mm-hmm. So, and as far as the uh, point that we don't really cover negative, they're saying that we're sort of more positive focused. And that is true. I think that it's not a good thing to focus on the negative. But as well, we do try to ask people the problems that they've had and how to overcome them and how they have overcome them. So I think that's important, but we definitely want to keep a focus on the the positive side of real estate investing. I mean, what good would this podcast be if all we did was scare people away from real estate investing? I mean, it's that would be completely counterproductive. We're trying to show that this is the best way for ordinary people to start creating some wealth, generational wealth, and be able to retire in a lot better situation than they would be if they were just investing in, say, stocks. Yeah. Right. Or RSPs. So we believe in this strategy and and Sandy and I have built significant wealth doing the strategies that we've talked about on this show. So we're, we're not just, you know, making stuff up. The guests that we have are very genuine and we don't have them on if they're not. We've turned away a lot of people that are sort of the guru types that maybe are more talk than they are action. And, yeah. and we've done that more than once. We turn away a lot of people. We only bring on the people that we believe are genuine and seriously want to help and share their stories. So anyway. Interesting feedback regardless. At least there's some yeah. conversation. So thanks. We appreciate it anyways. And uh, love to hear negative or positive feedback. Well, they still gave us five stars, and I do appreciate that, the fact that they had something to say. They shared what they felt about the episodes, which is great, but they still recognized, I guess, that we had some value to share here, and they gave us some five stars. So thanks, Ryan out West. We'll try to address some of this stuff. Maybe we'll get into some – if anyone out there is maybe in Western Canada and has some tips on how to cash flow positive in – those markets, then get a hold of us. Maybe we can have you on the show. Have we aired it yet? I can't remember if we aired that one now or it's just about to come out. Which one? Did we do the one? Uh, yeah, we did the one with, uh, we were talking about Victoria, BC. With the uh, Scalinas? Oh, no, yeah. no, 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 no. We, we double checked that we aired it. Yeah, we did. Elizabeth and uh, Cole. Oh, yes, yes. That one is out too. Right. Absolutely. It's on Victoria. Victoria is, as far as I know, a very difficult market to cash flow in. But uh, they're they're finding ways to make it happen. Yeah, that's right. Major changes in use. That's, you know, there's strategies to make things work. So you just got to find those. Uh, It's not as simple as just buying, you know, opening up MLS and picking a property and purchasing it. I wish that was the case. But unfortunately, there's a little more work to it than that. Yeah. Okay, well, well, that was interesting. Why don't we bring on, uh, we've had our guests in your way. Why don't we bring them on? Sounds good to me. So today we have Mike Johnson with us. And Mike is uh, uh, actually quite an interesting story because he's actually a listener of ours for a while. and was in a, a different business and uh, decided to get out of the corporate world into real estate full on as investor and as a realtor. And uh, has bought a bunch of properties in the last few years. Has been... Uh, going at it harder as a realtor, so working that side of the business as well, and uh, really just dived in full-time with real estate after going through doing his MBA and, and that side of things, and still at a pretty young age, kind of gave up on the corporate world. So interesting story, and uh, welcome to the show, Mike. 
Thank you very much. I appreciate you guys having me. Hey, Michael. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Did you want to tell us a bit about yourself and your journey in real estate investing so far? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm not from here. I work out of Hamilton. I'm originally from the East Coast and moved up here to go to school. I did my MBA in Ontario, went to work in the corporate world. And first thing I did when I graduated was buy my first investment property. That went well. So that one we put under my uh, girlfriend at the time, fiance now, put it under her name. And then I was actually listening to your podcast. And in one of the episodes, I heard that Sandy got his license. So called Sandy. Sandy, I'll always remember this day. He took me out and showed me a flip he did. And then he showed me a triplex. It was completely gutted. And at that point, my mind was just blown as to how someone so young could be taking on these kinds of projects. Um, Sandy ended up selling me a house. And I kind of convinced myself to quit my job. And follow him and become a realtor. I had no idea what that meant at the time, but I just knew I was going to do it. So what was the timeline for that? When did you, let's say, go out and buy that first investment property? So the first one, it was about two and a half years ago. And then the next one that we bought with Sandy, it was probably six months after that. You guys just kept kept rolling. And what did you do with those two properties? So first one, we just, we bought it. It was pretty turnkey, rented it out. And then the next one was Sandy. Similar situation, we did a minor renovation. And at that point in time, fortunately, the market was really taking off. So we refinanced both of those properties about six months after purchasing the second one. And we bought a third one with that money. And it was right around that point in time that I ended up quitting my uh, corporate job. I went for Honda Canada. Um, so I quit that and started working as a realtor full time. So why did you decide to get into real estate at all in the first place? What made you seek out the podcast or whatever other thing it was that uh, got you into it? So I've always known that I wanted to build wealth for myself. And for whatever reason, I always knew that I didn't want to work in the corporate world for the rest of my life. I was just at that point in time under the impression that I would have to slug it out in the corporate world acquire properties over the course of the next 10, 15, 20 years and eventually leave and live off the cash flow. Fortunately, though, when I met Sandy, I realized that that wasn't the case and that there was an opportunity for me to leave pretty much immediately within the year. So I jumped in full time. I think the reason I, I wanted to become a realtor was just to get access to the best deals the city has to offer and really ramp up and build the portfolio. Because at some point in time, I do want to live passively off the cash flow. Diving in head first is going to allow me to do that a lot faster. How were you able to make that move happen? Because I know a lot of people might be sitting there thinking, yeah, it sounds great. You can leave in a year. But like financially and stuff, was there anything you had to set up in order to be able to to do that? And, you know, as I know getting into it as a realtor, you're maybe not making some money for a little, you know, a few months at least. Mm -hmm. Set that up to... both me and my fiance, we were both working full time. So we basically had a year to save up for this. We knew getting into it, finding it absolutely no money over the course of the, the year, we'd still be able to feed ourselves. Just planning at the end of the day. I trusted you and had some, like, quite a bit of faith in you that things would play out the way I wanted them to. So I was nervous when I got started, but also confident. 
and then obviously, so you and uh, dear, how old? 28? 29. Uh, she's 28. I'm 29. Yeah. So when you decided to make this movie, you were how old? You were 27? Yeah, something like that. Cool. So as a real estate yeah. investor, like what are, what are the pros and cons of having your license then now? And what have you noticed in the, the year or so you've been licensed that has helped you or, or hindered you perhaps? So for me, the, the biggest thing now, just the people I'm surrounded by every day. Before, I, like I said, I worked for Honda Canada. I was surrounded by car guys all day, every day. Me personally, I wasn't a car person. Now I get to be around people that have passion for real estate. And it's all we talk about day in and day out. <laughs> we have people doing it at a very high level. I'm not sure how many properties you have at this point, Sandy. I know it's a lot. I get to be around you every day. I get to be around Adrian every day. He's got over a hundred doors and you guys make it look so simple. Like when you look at Adrian, it seems like he's buying something new at least every month. So it's just shown me what is possible in that sense. And for me to pick up a couple of properties a year now is compared to what he's doing. It's very simple. So that's, that's one thing. And then secondly, I think, now that I've been in it for a little while, I, I can recognize what a good deal is and when I should jumping on something. And, and also, I think within my role on this team, I'm listing specialist. I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think our group, we have the ability to source the, the best deals in the city. And we can talk a little bit about the way we do that. With that, you have the opportunity to offer them to your clients. And if for whatever reason your clients don't want them, we take them ourselves. I would say that's the biggest benefit. Mm -hmm. Any cons? Not that I can think of, honestly. <laughs> I've lost I've lost a lot of time. I mean, before I would go to work from nine to five and I'd have my free time in the evenings and on the weekends. Now it's kind of like you're you're on constantly. Yeah, yeah but you know what? That's not probably true. That's the one thing that I could think of as well where you, you got to shut off after whenever you got home. And for me, it was yeah. sometimes it wasn't five. It might have been six, seven, eight o'clock at night. And But at least when I got home, I could forget about it all. And mm -hmm. now it seems like I'll get messages from people at 11 o'clock at night and I'll answer them, you know? Mm -hmm. So I suppose that might be me. I don't know if everyone does that, but it's one of those things where I'm not shut off. So I'll keep going. Yeah. No, I'm kind of the same way. But the thing is, it's so much more fun doing, for me at least, doing what I'm doing now than what I was doing before. It doesn't really bother me. I'll work on it all night if I have to. <clears throat> Over time, as realtors, you get better at that anyways. Or, I don't know if better is the word, but you can get more control of your time if you want to. Like, you don't necessarily have to answer those calls that come in at 10 or 11 at night. No. Perhaps you can, but you don't always have to. They're usually okay to wait till the morning. Um, it's just the expectations you set and the way you want to run your schedule. Everyone's different. Some people want to work 24-7. Some people want to have a few boundaries. And uh, I think it's, it just comes down to how you want to set that up. So that's, that's what I like is you can actually, you can be in control. Like you can control it yourself. It's just a matter of, of actually committing to it, which a lot of people struggle with. Myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know what, Sandy? Most property investors are really good at finding the right deal and negotiating a good price. However, even longtime investors would tell you that they have faced significant losses when overlooking some of the pitfalls that pop up unexpectedly. I know I have, um, when everything seems to be going so well. Vandalism by tenants, flood damage, 
Slip and fall lawsuits are only some of the grave issues that investors must protect themselves from, or else they may find themselves digging deep into their pockets to repair damaged property, replace rental income, or even defend themselves in a legal case. For peace of mind and to protect your property, we recommend our listeners to contact their insurance broker to review their policy, or we know a great guy, an experienced and former guest on our show, on The Insurance Guy. You can reach him at theinsurers.ca and let him know Rob and Sandy sent you. That's theinsurers.ca. I think the way I look at it, there are realtors that work on their own and there are realtors that work on a team. I happen to work on a team. So a lot of work that an independent agent would have to do has been removed from me. So a lot of the lead generation activities that other agents would have to take part in, I leverage that out. So we have a team of people that do it for us. And a lot of the follow-up has been leveraged out. A lot of the paperwork has been leveraged out. So I think compared to a lot of people that are new to the business, I have it pretty easy in that sense. Mm-hmm. So have you taken advantage then of the fact that you sort of get to make your own schedule? Not really, no. No. I'm the type of guy I like to be very regimented. So mm-hmm. I, I still treat it like it, it's my old corporate job. I still show up on time every day. I, I put in the hours every day. But with that being said, for whatever reason in my mind, it doesn't feel like the same kind of work as I was doing before. I think to be successful in this business, you do have to be quite regimented. When I look at the people around me that do really well, they follow a schedule and they stick to it every single day. Mm-hmm. Well, it's the same thing with investment. Investing, if you're going to be a full-time investor, perhaps, and you're going to be a, doing a lot of business with it, you're you're not just sitting around buying ten properties a year and you know sitting on the couch half the day. You're, you're usually pretty busy. Mm-hmm. So is getting your license motivated you more to build a larger portfolio? I would say not really. I always had a huge motivation to build a massive portfolio. It just made it easy, easier for me because now I get to see the market every single day. If something comes up that I like, I can jump on it. And like I said earlier, I get to be surrounded by you guys, you and Adrian and Dan every single day. And where I'm standing, I'm not trying to reinvent the wheel. I feel as though if I just replicate what you guys are doing, I'm going to be in a good place at the end of the day. So I I think the goal to build something massive has always been there. And getting my license and getting into the business full time is just going to allow that process to take place a lot faster. Would you recommend somebody get their real estate license? Do you think that would be useful as an investor, even if they aren't working full time day to day as a realtor? Uh, in my mind, no, not really. It just, from a time perspective, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense if you're not going to be in it all day. If you're not going to be in it all day, every day, you're not going to have the same knowledge as someone else that is. If I wasn't going to jump in and do this as my profession, I, I think it'd be more beneficial to me if I just continued to use someone like you, Rob, or someone like Sandy to purchase my homes. Kind of the same thing. Like, Would you want to go to a doctor that's doing it part-time when you have an issue? I personally wouldn't. So I wouldn't want to be a realtor and purchase my own deals if I don't have a full understanding of what's taking place in the market. And I think the only way you can have that is if you're eating, sleeping, and breathing it every single day. What do you guys think about that? I think I agree. (laughs) I know some people that have their license that they've had it forever and they just maintain it, like they keep it up, but they don't 
I think that's a bit different. I think I, I don't know if I would get into it today if I didn't want to go at it full time. But I think if you if you're someone who's been in it for a long time and maybe gonna maybe you were working hard and you want to cut back and focus on investing and doing that, I probably wouldn't give it up. Yeah, like I know some full time flippers that have their real estate license, which probably comes in very handy for them. So uh, I could think that maybe that's the one circumstance where I would agree that it works more in their benefit, probably. Yeah, but yeah, day to day, it is nice to have somebody that knows the market that could take you out, that could show you areas that can just understands the whole thing. Right. And is deeply immersed into what's going on in the area. So that's always a benefit when you're going out with somebody that understands all of that. Yeah, like I, I can think of an example like that myself. There's a guy that recently joined our team, and I'd say arguably his knowledge of the Hamilton real estate market is on par, if not better, than a lot of people we work with here. So for him to get his license might make sense, and he's a full-time investor. So if you're that knowledgeable already, why not get paid on the deals that you're putting together? Yeah. So here we I'm go. There. Here's Here's something that might address that email that, we had earlier in the show. What do you think are some of the biggest challenges for you getting your real estate license or even investing in real estate in general? And how did you overcome those challenges? So in terms of actually getting the license, it was really easy for anyone looking to get into the business. Don't be afraid of that. There are five tests and they're a breeze. The challenge is that those tests don't really prepare you to get started in the business. So when I showed up on day one, I really had no idea how to find clients, how to close deals. I didn't know what being a realtor really meant. So in my situation, it was pretty beneficial to join a team because they lay all that out for you. They essentially give you a blueprint. And I think if you follow that blueprint, you will 100% be successful. And it's pretty simple. Like what we do, it just it's not easy. It takes a lot of time. And in the beginning, you don't get paid. And I remember I, I used to have some anxiety about it when I started. Mm-hmm. Sandy, I don't think I got, I started in September of last year and didn't get paid until January. Yeah. So I trusted you that things would work out, but I was a little worried. Mm-hmm. But if you stick to the script and you stick to the models that some of these top producing teams put in place for you, you will no doubt be successful. My life has completely changed. I not only love what I do every single day, I make way more money than I ever thought it possible. I think the bottom line is you need to find a a good mentor and role model and just listen to them and do what they tell you, at least in the beginning. Sometimes I see people that join now and they come in with all these grand ideas and they try and reinvent the wheel, but People before us have already done it. So just listen, replicate, and then after you generate the skills and you achieve some success at that point in time, get creative and try and do your own thing. What about the Uh, challenges in in real estate investing? Any challenges you run into maybe in those three properties that you bought before you were an agent? Yeah, so there are always issues. Like in Hamilton, properties are quite old. So I remember the first one we bought, we had a clay pipe that burst and that one probably cost me about 10 grand and I needed that 10 grand to close on my next one. So 
that was kind of scary, but you just, you make do. And for me, I, I work with my fiance through all of this and she deals with most of it. So that I have to give her a lot of credit for this, but mm-hmm. <clears throat> at the end of the day, you just have to keep moving forward. So but something like that, that when it actually happens, it almost feels like the sky's falling down. I'm sure. 100%. When, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you go, what have I got myself into? Very similar in the first project that I ever put a basement suite into. I remember we were deep into the project and realized that we had some foundation issues. It hadn't rained for quite some time. And then, it, and then when it did, we were getting water in the basement. And it just felt like the end of the world. And I just thought, what the heck have I done? You know, why didn't I just keep my hands clean, you know, keep doing what I was doing? Why did I have to get myself involved in all of this stuff? And then, like you said, it's the team of people that you surround yourself with. I called a mentor and I said, listen, like the sky's falling down. Can you help me? And they sort of put things into perspective and said, this stuff is always going to happen always it's not maybe it will it'll keep on happening and you just have to prepare yourself for these things and be able to work through them and realize that when you look back on it later maybe it didn't go 100 percent according to plan but like that property is an amazing property now right one of yeah. those ones where we managed to even after that issue get 100 percent of our money back out of when we refinanced it so you know it's going to be tough and it's going to sometimes make you want to quit. But I think that you, you do have to be able to push through those times. Yeah. I think we, I think our first one, we had a contractor that probably wasn't the best person to hire. And we were like every dollar counted on the first property because you're, you know, just trying to make the thing work. And it was tough enough just to buy it in the first place. And then we were doing some renovations and then, I think I can't remember the specific situation now, but the contractor was okay for a bit and then he bailed with like two or three grand of our, our money mm-hmm. and he didn't do the, it didn't do any work for it. I can't remember a hundred percent of the situation, but I remember sitting there going like, crap, we had still some work to do. We didn't have another two or three grand to cover that. And we were doing a lot of this work on credit cards and things like that. And you know, you just, you find a way to make it work at the end of the day. We probably skipped out on a few other repairs that we wanted to do in order to make that property work. And we ended up only holding that property for, I think, a couple of years. But when we sold it, we had, you know, we put a hundred plus thousand into our bank account. (laughs) That's great salary for someone. And we did it just, you know, a little bit of hard work and just waited. And that was also a side job for you guys. It wasn't like that was a full-time thing. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So, yeah, I don't know. There's a lot. You just got to power through these these little hiccups that happen. They happen to a lot of people, especially even now. They happen pretty much on every project we do. You know what I find, too, is interesting, Sandy, is that you said you were using credit cards to finance the rentals and all that kind of stuff. And it's like if you talk to the majority of the people out there, they would say that that is absolutely insane. You know, (laughs) like, no, save some money figure out how to get some money and have some money and then do that. And and like the way that we've found that I've found that the people that started out without any money have found to break into this is do it by any means possible. And the wealth will start to build up. I think that's exactly what you need to do. And that 
wasn't always my mentality. Like there was this one day I'll always remember vividly me and Dee were having a conversation. And when I started, I started probably $35,000 student loan. And my plan was always to pay that down first and pay it down as quickly as possible and then invest. And I remember she asked me a question once, well, why don't you invest first? Don't you think it's possible that we will make more off our investments if we each buy a house now that will cost you an interest payments to pay that loan on? She's absolutely right. Like we've now made hundreds of thousands of dollars in wealth and when I look at my interest payment, it's minimal. So if I if I didn't listen to her and take her advice and just paid that loan down, sure, maybe my loan would be gone today. But all that net worth that we generated over the course of the last couple of years would not exist. And I think that was a challenge for me going to business school and learning how to be a great employee and learning how to make safe decisions. It was hard for me to wrap my head around that. But mm-hmm. Now that I've been exposed to different ideas from different people, it's a lot easier for me to take those risks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you went a long way with that. You went all the way pretty much that most people, as far as schooling and in business at least, getting your MBA, mm-hmm. a corporate thing. How, like You weren't in that for too long. How were you able to justify kind of going through all that and then just kind of saying, you know what, I don't need any of that? Because really, you probably could have got into real estate from high school. and <laughs> Probably. How did you convince yourself to just say, yeah, you know what, screw it. I don't, I don't need to do that anymore. I've got a better pass. Well, I, number one, I didn't enjoy what I was doing every day. And I, I was getting paid well, but not great. I knew I could make more money doing this. And I, I don't look at that education as a means to getting a job, really. Like I, would not, I have no regrets about going to do that schooling. I learned a lot. It probably helps you run your, yeah, it probably helps you run your business that you're in now too. Yeah, definitely. I learned a lot about being disciplined and focused and I can live a pretty regimented life. And I attribute it to that because I wasn't always like that. When I was in my early 20s, I was extremely disorganized. I wasn't focused on really anything. And I would say the MBA and my corporate experience played a huge role in allowing me to be more disciplined. Mm Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think about that all the time, how great it would be if I could be my operate the same way I do today, but be 20 years old and get into the business at that time. But for mm-hmm. me, it just wouldn't <laughs> have been possible. Yeah, don't my, we all. The mindset wasn't there. Yeah, I mean, I think that for a lot of people, they do it when they're ready. That's just what it comes down to. And you can you can look back and go, yeah, I should have done it or wish I could have done it when I was younger. But I think if I had have tried to do what I what I did when I was younger, it wouldn't have worked. There's a time sure. and a place, and it's you know, luck is when opportunity meets preparedness. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's what it comes down Another to. Thing too, too, like I know with you, Sandy, Kate plays a huge role in everything you guys do. I think for me, part of it is probably meeting D and not only having someone cheering me on in the background, but also taking on a lot of them. Because her background was as an engineer. So anything project management related, renovation related, tenant management related, she's taken that away from me. She does all of that. So that that support was huge. When I was younger, that didn't exist. Mm -hmm. What's next for you, Mike? Next for me? So love the business I'm in. I'm going to keep working as a real estate agent 
And then as an investor, I'm going to keep buying properties. So we're about to close on one next month. That should be a pretty big renovation. It's a legal triplex in Hamilton. So we're going to completely gut it, renovate it, refinance it, pull our money out, and then do it over again. So what I found in the beginning when I got into the business, people were interested, sure. Lots of what they were telling me was centered around how risky it is and how you could potentially lose all this money, uh, how you could potentially fail. And then as we continued to buy more and more people, in a way, started to look up to what we're doing. And at this point in time, when we buy something, I don't have money to do it on my own. So we're using other people's money. Mm-hmm. So that's something that's changed quite a bit in my life. So my plan is just to continue to do that not only build wealth for me and my family, but also for our, our partners. I think that's a, something we might have missed earlier too, is being a realtor probably helps support that a bit, right? Probably helps show that you're fully in on this and probably helps attract some wealth if you're looking to attract partnership money. Mm-hmm. For sure. It doesn't have to be a realtor, but even just being a mortgage broker or a contract, any, any related field I think can help with that if you're full on in that, rather than just being in the corporate world, right? Although you probably mm. have good connections in the corporate world, they might want to invest with you. Definitely. The problem with those types of people, they don't have the knowledge because they've never done it before or they're fearful of getting in, which for anyone in the business full time, it's a great opportunity. Mm-hmm. It's very often those people in the corporate world, they, they have the money to invest. They just, for whatever reason, there's a roadblock or a barrier and not, not willing to take the plunge. So I think that's where we can come in and help them out. What tip or advice can you leave us with? I would say, so a couple of them, a good friend of mine, he always uh, told me, especially when I first got in the business, jump now and grow wings on the way down. So you always figure things out. There's always a way to figure anything out. And then secondly, something I've learned, it's a quote, actually, you are the average of the five people you spend the most amount of time with. Uh, I see that in real life now. So now my time is spent all day, every day with Sandy, with Adrian and your viewers or listeners probably know him as Mr. Cashflow, my fiance, he's a great role model. And then a couple other people on our team and a couple of close friends of mine. So I like to keep my circle pretty tight and surround myself with those people that have a similar vision and are going to push me in the direction I want to go. It's very easy to let negative influences come into your life, I find. And I've done that before in the past. So going forward, I, I want to make sure that that doesn't happen again. I think we agree, Rob. Do we? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> always tough. That's always a challenge, I think. Uh, there's always some people wanting to get in there and uh, kind of pull you back or slow you down. And, and uh, yeah, you got to be pretty conscious of that. And it's not always easy. It's not always going to be perfect with that, but we do the best we can, right? And, and that definitely makes a big difference. So who should get in touch with you and how can people get in touch with you, Mike? In terms of the who, I would say anyone looking to buy, sell, or invest in real estate in the Hamilton market, anyone looking to just have a conversation about real estate. It's my passion. I love talking about it. I'd be more than happy to talk to anyone, anyone who's a partner on properties. I'd love to have a discussion about that. And in terms of how they can get in touch with me, my cell phone, they can contact me at 226 seven nine two six three eight five or email me at mike at mckayrealtynetwork.com 
Hey, Mike, I think this has been uh, very insightful, not only for people that were just thinking about getting their real estate license, but also for the investment side of it, like learning and sharing your story of how you've grown and how you got from where you started to where you are now. So, and, you know, I think that one of the important things is to maybe not necessarily that you're an agent and you like live, eat and sleep and breathe real estate, but as far as attracting partners, but that you've got some experience through what you did before and you were sharing that experience with people and then they were intrigued by it and built that trust that way as well. Yeah, it takes time, right? We got to keep, I think as the more you share about what you're up to, people kind of at the start kind of write you off maybe, especially if they know you from the past. And then over time, you can just keep pushing forward and they'll, they'll end up changing their minds. And you never know who you can influence, even just the little tiniest things. You never know who's watching you. Sandy, how can people get in touch with you? That's where you get in touch with me is through, uh, through email info at mckayrealtynetwork.com or through our office, uh, 289-389-6846. Cool. Anyone who wants to reach out to me can reach me at rob at mrbreakthrough.ca or 289-927-0464. Well, guys, it's been another fun episode. We'll see you next time.